Give glory to God and say thank you to the worship team. Please be seated. Please be seated. Thank you all. Thank you all. Right. Awesome, awesome Sunday. Uh, uh, Matthew 21. I want to read to you from Matthew 21. And this is the Word of God. Uh, you can just listen uh, to, uh, to uh, the Scripture as I read for you. Matthew 21, I'm reading from 1. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, a fall of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna! To the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? Who is this? Then the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came in the temple and he healed them. He healed them. Today, you are going to hear from the Word of God. What made or how was Jesus able to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey? And people will lay clothes set clothes on the donkey. People will spread clothes on the street. Kids will wave leafy branch, palm, palm branches and shout, Son of David, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. How did Jesus came to claim that he is the Messiah? How did Jesus came to declare the kingdom of God? How did Jesus display the kingdom of God to the people. 
How did this happen? How did he arrive at this point? And I want to bring out some spiritual principles from the life of Jesus because we are going to follow him. This is the second in the series. Following Jesus to his triumph and how we can use the same principles to try to triumph over our trials. Okay? Because all of us have trials in our life. How do triumph over our trials? Looking at the principle of our Lord Jesus Christ. What he did at that time. Going into the temple as the Messiah. So people had expectations. Right? At that time, people had expectations. Just as we do here. They were expecting the Messiah. And Jesus was also going to make a public claim that he is the Messiah, but with different his 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 intention and the expectation of the people are different. So as I was preparing for this sermon, um, some of you that are new to this church, I uh, I have often said how the Lord sp- speaks to me. He speaks to me through the Word of God in my vision when I'm praying and very loud, audible voice that I can hear within my spirit, right? So this week, as I was preparing the message, I heard a voice loud and clear. And, he, and, and this is the word. The most powerful kingdom is a non-violent kingdom. It is a peaceable kingdom. That's the word I heard, right? And I, 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 I woke up and said, the most powerful kingdom is a non-violent kingdom. Yeah, the kingdom of God is the most powerful kingdom. It's a non-violent kingdom. It is a peaceable kingdom. What does that mean? It's, it's talking about the picture that Isaiah had painted in Isaiah chapter uh, 11. What does it say there? You know, it says there that the leopard will lie with the sheep, I mean the wolf and the lamb. Kids will play with cobra. You know, the cow and the bears will lie and the lions will eat grass. It it talks about the peaceable kingdom. And Palm Sunday is about the kingdom of God coming to all of us. This is the beginning. This is the beginning of what the Lord is going to do. So I want to talk about that here today. So now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, the Mount of Olives, then Jesus said to his disciples, Go into the opposite village opposite you. Immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose, Loose them and bring them to me. Right? Lose them and bring them to me. What is the usefulness of a donkey? Right? Have you ever thought about the usefulness of a donkey, how it is measured? The usefulness of a donkey is measured by how it carries the goods or people. There may be other things, but in this case, a usefulness of a donkey will be measured by how it carries the good goods or how it carries people for example right uh, uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
the goods are too heavy, the donkeys in the air, is this a good way of using a donkey? Right? Um, so when, when he says, lose them, lose them and bring them to me. Right? A, tongue, a donkey that is tight is not useful. That's, the donkey is not using the work that he or she is supposed to do. But when it's loosed and employed according to what it is created for, then it becomes useful. The same thing with all of us. Right? If you, God give us freedom, if you are shackled, if you are shackled, and if you're not going out in the freedom of the Spirit to use the gifts that God has given you, then your usefulness is minimal. And in Galatians, we know, in Galatians chapter 5, it says, God has given you liberty. God has given you freedom. I want you to use your freedom to serve in love to other people. So let's look at this. Christ is coming on this day. So this is the day when he came into Jerusalem. What was this day for? It is the day that you pick the sacrificial lamb for the Passover. So on this day, Christ is coming to Jerusalem as the choice lamb for the perfect sacrifice. His intention is very clear. He has come to serve with love for the salvation of the people. Right? For the salvation of the people. Uh, the people were waiting for the Messiah to overthrow the Roman government. Christ has different intention. He had come to unshackle us from the bond of death and sin. See, are you following this? This is very important. Now how? Why, why, did, why was Jesus able to do this? He was able to do this. Listen to me. Hear this. Because he did not satisfy the desire of his flesh. Okay? He did not, set, he did not satisfy the desire of his flesh. How do we know that? You remember when he was going out to fast and pray for 40 days. Satan came because Jesus was hungry. Matthew chapter 4. Okay? Jesus... Jesus was hungry, and Satan came and to tempt him and said, Hey, Jesus, turn the stone into bread. Well, uh, that is not actually, that's a good idea, actually. He is hungry, he can turn the stone into bread, and he can eat. There is nothing wrong with that, right? Nothing wrong with eating food. What was the problem? The problem was Jesus did not go there to eat food. He went there to fast and pray. He went there to fulfill God's mission. So when Satan come and say, Hey, Jesus, turn the stone into bread and eat, it means to take away the focus from what Jesus was to do. This sounds like a very simple maneuver. On the part of Satan. Very sly. And Jesus, yeah, I'm hungry. You know, I probably, I'm going to eat. I can turn the stone into bread. Good idea. No, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. He stayed focused to what he was called for. He did not satisfy the desires of his flesh. 
You see, when we do not desire, when we don't satisfy the desires of our flesh, then we can triumph over our trials. This is what Bomb Sunday is about. He is teaching us how to triumph over our trials. It's a triumphal entry into our lives. Are we hearing this, Santa Clara for Baptist Church? I mean, this is power. This is dynamite. You apply this in your life, wherever you are, it's going to work. Okay? So let's say, uh, um, so as a student, right, you have lots of homework to do. I know, you guys have lots of homework, so you come home, and then you sit down, you know, after dinner, and say, I'm going to do homework, and you open the computer, and then, oh, let me just check in my Facebook, right, first. Let me go to my Instagram, okay? And then maybe I'll just play a game, just a game, right? And you dabble here and there. By the time you realize it's already 12 p.m., right? Because you're into the game. You have to beat the game. You're chatting with your friends. Well, what was the intention that you went for when you sat down to do homework? You see, but when you satisfy the desire of typing, connecting with friends, you don't do your homework. Where does that lead you? That leads you to disaster. An F. You see the point? This big application, spiritual application of Jesus dying on the cross... It's the same principle of application of how we contain the desire of our flesh. So, here, your pastor, I work out, okay? I'm just showing because it was a beautiful day that day, so I took this picture. But it came to me because I, as I work out, I'm thinking about my sermon too. So, the first time I work out, I go in, I look in the mirror, and I'm looking for this huge change, and look, no, no change. The first day I work out, it's the same, right? So if you go there, say, oh my, I worked out. I sweated for an hour. Where is the change? This is so disappointing. I'm not going to work out anymore on the first day. Do you think you will see change? No, you won't see change. You see change when you do it consistently, consistently. And one day you realize, you look at the mirror and say, I work out. I'm sexy and I know it. (laughs) Right? You feel good. How did that happen? Because you consistently work out at it. You do not give in to the desires of your flesh to say, Oh, I'm going to eat more, sleep more, and just enjoy myself. And not be disciplined, patiently focus on what I'm supposed to do. I am bringing our physical desire, how it become a barrier for us to get spiritual blessing. This is what Satan does. He makes the physical part, the material part, so enticing that it replaces the spiritual goodness of our lives. Oh my, my, we got to know this. We got to know this. And food is a basic, basic needs of our people, all of us. And Satan used this temptation on Christ. See, Galatians, Galatians 5, 16 again, right? The flesh, the desire of the flesh war against what? 
the Spirit. We got to be aware of this. But the fruit of the Spirit is, right? It follows later on. So, coming back again. Lose them and bring them to me. Lose them and bring them to me. He's asking the donkey to be loosed for his service. Because he has the authority to say, if anybody asks, tell them the Lord needs them. He has authority to loose and bless all of us. He wants us, he wants to unshackle us and use us. Just as he was obedient to God, he wants us to obey him. Christ was obedient to God to fulfill his mission. And now he is asking us, what can we learn from the donkey? To obey to his call. And our usefulness, our usefulness is measured not by how good we look, how healthy we are. Look at my mane. No, right? Tail. Our usefulness is measured by our obedience. See, when you obey God, then you will see result. Isn't that marvelous? That's the application. Obedience is better than fasting. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Let it simmer in, sing in, because before I move on, right? Let the Holy Spirit press, press down the good measure so it stays with it. What was the first thing I said? Do not satisfy to the desires of the flesh. If you do, that will lead to death and destruction. Right? If you do not satisfy the desires of the flesh, what will happen? You will ride with Christ into the temple. Triumphantly. Okay, ready to move on? Yes, good things are coming. That's just an appetizer right there. Okay, now here. The second one is, um, All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken to the prophet. Eh? When Jesus came into Jerusalem as the choice chosen lamb, this was the he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Matthew chapter 5 verse 17. He came to fulfill the law and the prophets. What was the prophecy about? What was the prophet about? Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9. The king is going to come lowly on a colt, on a donkey riding. This is the fulfillment of the prophets. Not just Zechariah. Malachi. Malachi chapter 1, when you read it, what does it say? Oh, somebody is going to come and prepare the way for the Lord. But when the Lord comes, He is going to come to where? Temple. He is going to come to the temple to save and to bring salvation. This is the fulfillment of the scripture. It wasn't an accident, my friends. You see the beauty of the Word of God in seeing and working together? To do what? To bring salvation to you and I. To unshackle us. To unshackle us. Continue to read here, right? Uh, so the disciples went and did as Jesus. They brought the donkey, the colt, laid their cloths on them and set them. Great multitude came out. 
This picture you will also see in Leviticus chapter 23. God has told Moses how to celebrate to his people. Take palm palm, uh, branches, wave it, you know, enjoy it, celebrate for seven days the Feast of Tabernacles, right? Bring the first fruit. The people know how to celebrate. It talks about the salvation of the people, the joy of the people. Here, let's continue to read. Then the multitude who went before, those who followed, cried out, saying, Hosanna, son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When you read Psalm 118, okay? When you read Psalm 118, um, when you read from 20 to 1, in fact, when you go to the beginning, it says, uh, um, let the house of Aaron says what? His grace endures forever, right? Right? We thank God for God's grace. His peace endures forever. His goodness endures forever. So when you read that, it says here, Save! Save, Lord! Save, Lord! Bring prosperity to us in Psalm 1. And it says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now before that, This is the song that you have sang. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Psalm 118. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is the day. We know this song. This is the day that the Lord has made, that Christ is coming into the temple in Jerusalem. Why? To save us, to bring prosperity to us. It's a fulfillment of the inspiration of the Psalms of David. You see how it's fulfilled? Okay. So I'm bringing this picture to you. Now, coming, people are asking, verse 10, When he came into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? Who is this? When the kingdom of God comes upon any city, any person, any place, there will be a movement. There will be stirring of the hearts. Right? Jerusalem at this time was known for what? Their religious rituals. And the people were known for what? Their social restrictions. They were restricted socially, spiritually. There's a lot of rigidity. And what is happening? There is a stirring in the city because the kingdom of God has come. And people are asking, who is this? It means joy has broken through. This restricted heart and soul. When the kingdom of the Lord comes, there is stirring in the heart. There's the stirring of the gifts within you, within all of us. It stirs us to look at the new visitors that are coming in here. It stirs us to look outside yourself. It stirs us to look who is sitting next by you. That may be a stranger, right? That may be a stranger. Who is this? Who is this guy that has stirred the city? See? Jesus came to declare that he was the Messiah. He came to declare that he was the Messiah. Now, let's look at this. Let's look at the donkey again, okay? Let's look at the donkey and, and the pastor. Uh, I learned a lot from this donkey. The donkey is just like me. 
So the usefulness of the donkey is dependent on how well he delivers Jesus to the temple into Jerusalem. Right? Are you following me? The task of the donkey was to take Jesus from Bethany to Jerusalem. And his usefulness is measured on how he took Jesus Christ there. It was never about, so when, when the multitude crowd came, the donkey didn't come and say, Oh, they came to look at me today. You know, they came to listen to my bray. Look at how I swish my tail. It was about Jesus. So as a pastor, my task as a pastor is always how I deliver Jesus to the people that are here and outside. It's never about my effectiveness as an orator or a speaker or a preacher, how smart. It is. It's never about that. It's, it's about how do I deliver Jesus to people. It's the same goes with you. Our usefulness is on how we deliver Jesus Christ. So that they will say, who is this? So that they will say, who is this? That the kingdom of the Lord comes. So he said to his disciples in the gospel of Luke, when you go, heal the people and tell them the kingdom of God is near. When I drive out demons... It means the kingdom of the Lord has come upon you. The kingdom of the Lord came. He, declared, he came to declare that He was the Messiah. And we are to declare that Jesus is God. Let me read it for you here. He, and when He came into the temple, He said, He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Right? When you are going to... Uh, satisfy your selfish ambition. The kingdom of God will not be declared. Let me tell you, there was another guy that rode a donkey. Did you hear me? There was another guy that rode a donkey. His name was Balaam. His name was Balaam. He was a prophet. You read in Numbers 22, 23, 24, and 25. You read him. What happened? God had called him. Balak had called him. Come, come and curse Israel. You know, and I will give you money. Come, I will give you wealth. And Balaam in the beginning will say, No, I will do only what the Lord tells me to do. I do not want your gold and silver. But he found a way. When he came uh, to prophesy, instead of cursing Israelite, he blessed them. The Lord forced him to bless Israelite. Not one time, not two times, three times, right? He blessed, and Balak was so unhappy. But at the end of it, he found a way, not to prophesy, but he told them how to seduce Israelites and lead them in a wrong way, and he got the wealth from Balak. Number 26, you found that Israelite has prostituted themselves, taken wives, Moabites, and the Lord was angry. It was the advice of Balaam how to Make Israelite fall to the seduction of the foreigners. It was the advice of Balaam. This was the guy that rode the donkey who satisfied his desire. 
who satisfied his selfish ambition and that led to destruction. You remember the, 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 uh, the servant of Elisha, Gehia, Gehiza, when Elisha healed Naaman. And he said, take my gold and silver and these fine robes. Elisha said, no, I don't need your. I'm not going to take. The Lord has done this gracefully for you. What did the servant do? He went back and took those gifts. He invalidated the grace of God. And what happened? Leprosy fell on the servant. Because he satisfied his desire and selfish ambition. The kingdom of God cannot be declared when we satisfy our selfish ambition and desires. When we give in to our pride. Jesus did not satisfy his desire. Jesus said no to shortcuts. Because Satan said, he showed him at the top of the temple. He said, bow. You know, jump. Jump off from this. The angel of the Lord will protect Prove to me that you are God. I find it so incredible, incredulous that Satan was telling this to Jesus. Who, who is he trying to fool, right? And Jesus said, do not test God. But he didn't take the shortcuts. That's the point. He could have jumped. Take the shortcut. What is the shortcut? He wouldn't have gone to Jerusalem. He wouldn't have gone to Gethsemane. He wouldn't have gone to Golgotha. He wouldn't have been crucified. That is the shortcut. And Satan won the shortcut. We cannot try, triumph over our trials by taking shortcuts in our life. It means you cannot take money for glory and exchange it for the glory. You cannot take things, the wealth of the world, and invalidate the grace of God. Are we, are we in this together, Santa Clara First Baptist Church? We cannot dilute the grace of God by trying to enrich ourselves materially and physically. This is very serious. It plagues the church. It plagues the leaders and the pastors that they are seduced by wealth and power and fame. David was seduced because of the beauty of a woman. You know that. Samson was seduced by the beauty of a woman. We are all, we are all susceptible to the seduction of Satan. We can only triumph over our trials when we don't give in to our fleshly desire. The flesh that is at war against our spirit. That is the reason why we got to work with the Lord Jesus Christ. Depend on the Holy Spirit so that our fruit of the Spirit is manifested and displayed to the world. Self-control, patience, love, joy, peace. And one of Hosanna, son of David, save us. My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it into a dance of thieves. You know, Jesus was there in Jerusalem, able to drive out the leaders that have made the temple of God so sacrilegious. He was able to do this. Why? Because he did not give in to spectacular things. You know, Satan took him to the top of the mountain. You have gone to Israel. Many of you have gone to Israel, right? Yes. Israel doesn't have high mountains. You know that. Okay? This is something that the Satan has done in his 
And he showed him the kingdom of the world, the kingdoms of the world, high up on the mountain, and said, bow before me, I will give you this. It must have been spectacular. Satan must have done something. And the, the, the spectacular things that Jesus saw, he did not give in to that because he knew the splendor of God. Like, for example, when you go to Grand Canyon, if you go and see a firework at Grand Canyon, that is spectacular, right? But the Grand Canyon itself, uh, that's the splendor of God. I'm telling you, I mean, you don't need a firework in the Grand Canyon. You look at God's creation and it's just amazing. It is so awesome. It is great. Some of you have gone on a trip, right? There are fireworks by the ocean, fireworks by the lake, fireworks by the castles, fireworks in Anaheim, right? Well, but when you drive through the highway one and go through Big Sur and look at the formations, it is the splendor of God. You don't need a firework to know that God is such a splendorous God. And Satan was not going to fall for these spectacular things. He knew the splendor of God. And he went into the temple. And the lame and the sick, they came. Where else would they go? Where else would they go? Where else would they come to? Santa Clara. Aren't they supposed to come to the house of God? The sick. And if we are not careful about this, we will miss it. If we go for the spectacular things in life, we will replace the splendor of God with spectacular things. And people will not be healed. People will not be saved. Because we have replaced the splendor of God with spectacular things. I want people to come and be healed in our church. This is, my, this is my thing that I'm praying for. So when I was praying for the other word that came to me was what? I am the bread of life. I heard it. I am the bread of life. And I'm thinking, what does this mean? And I sat in the office and Greg says and came in, Oh, Christine and I have a great idea. Apart from this wonderful breakfast that we will throw, we will also invite people from many nations to bring in their bread or base pastries. And I say, this is it. That's the vision that God was giving me. I am the bread of life. We have people from many nations that are coming and worshiping here. We have to lift them up. Because in Isaiah 57, when he says, When the Gentiles come and call my name and sacrifice in my name, I will accept that sacrifice. My house shall be called a house of prayer. It's talking to the people in power People of the majority who were the religious leaders and rulers at that time. That you have kicked out and pushed out the weak and the poor. The court that the Gentiles were supposed to worship and come and give offering. You have turned into a marketplace. This is not right. You have made it a dens of thieves and robbers. It is the duty of the king to chase out robbers and thieves and to protect it from the subjects. It is Christ who has come to protect the weak and the poor on that day by kicking out the robbers and the thieves from the house of God. And that is Palm Sunday. And what we got to do, Santa Clara First Baptist Church, those of us that are in the position of power, 
Those of us that are in the position of majority, we got to make sure that we do not push out the weak and the poor and have no place for them to come to the temple of God. That they have no place to come and worship and pray in the house of God. That will be a tragedy. That will take the wrath and anger of God. The future that I see for our church is to lay the foundation over what we are doing well already. That people of all nations will come and worship in this church. The poor and the weak will find place in here. That when somebody gets up in the morning, they won't have to struggle to find to go to church and say, Oh, that church I will not fit in because of my dress, because I don't have a good job, because of the way I speak, because of the language that I speak. That they don't have to struggle on a Sunday morning to get up and to look at where can I go and worship God? That should not happen. And Santa Clara First Baptist Church, we will be the church that opens people of all tribes and nations and tongues, all classes and races, poor and weak and sick and lame, so they can come here and be healed in the name of Jesus. That's the church we need to look for. That's the church we need to pray for. And is this possible? Yes, this is possible because Christ has done it. He did not give in to the satisfaction of his physical needs, flesh. He came to declare the kingdom of God. He came to show us that he is the Messiah. And he's the one that we worship here. Let's have a powerful worship. We're going to ask the ushers, our worship team to come. Yes. And Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God. To turn your trials, to triumph, to not look at spectacular things. To, dawn, to turn your trials to triumph, to not give in to the desires of your flesh. To turn your trials into triumph, do not go for shortcuts. Look unto the Lord. Let us all cry out to him, Son of David, Hosanna. And blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen? Yes. Let's stand together. Let's glorify the name. I can see the King of glory coming in the clouds of fire. That would be an awesome day. And that's the reason why we're here. My friends, one day, one day, we will all be caught up in the glorious presence of Christ. So as we sing this, may our hearts rejoice and sing with the Lord.